again in the book of 1 Peter, and then we're going to be over in the book of Matthew chapter number 6 again. We have been studying on the Sermon on the Mount the last couple of weeks. We've made it into the Beatitudes. We talked about last week that, that they are in order. They're in a logical order, as in it's really difficult to move on to one uh, to another one before you have uh, first learned to embrace, learned to do the command of the one before. Uh, there, there are prerequisites to the Beatitudes, and tonight we end up on hungering and thirsting after righteousness. First Peter chapter number two, verse number two. It's very interesting that we we sing that song wherever he leads, I'll go, because most of the time, in order to be led, you have to be given directions. So if you're being led somewhere, you can't just assume that we're supposed to be going this way. You are following someone, some guide, some way, some map, some word. You're being led somehow, some way. And so how are we going to follow after God if we do not hunger and thirst after His Word? Very interesting that song was led. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word, that ye may grow thereby. Whenever babies are born, the pediatrician, doctors, whatever, recommends so much milk per uh, day, per kid. And the more they consume, the better off they are in the most case. Uh, but if, a, if an infant does not drink milk, what happens to them? They get irritable. They get fussy. If they miss a feeding, if they don't drink enough and, and they go too long in between a couple of them, if they don't get milk at all, they, they start to shrivel up and they can't get any sort of energy. They can't get any sort of life or growth or anything at all unless they consume. Peter said here, as newborn babes, that, that's, that's the way Christians are today. As newborn babes, we should desire the sincere milk of the word that we may grow thereby. There is a purpose to it all. Matthew chapter number 5. Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Tonight's question that I have is, do we hunger and thirst after righteousness? Lord knows we hunger and thirst after everything else. Since June or July of last year, I have smelled crab ball every time I walk out the door because I just know that crawfish season is coming around. Again, it's, it always comes back, right? It's, it's like a frost in October. It always comes back around. And whenever you smell it, for those of you who like crawfish, I, I can't eat them anymore, but I ate the sausages and potatoes and the corn and all of that. But whenever you smell it, your mouth goes to water. What is the most dangerous place in the world that you can go whenever you're hungry? A grocery store. You know why? Because whenever you're hungry, everything looks good. Whenever you're hungry, you'll put things in the buggy that you wouldn't touch with a 10-foot pole when you get home. I got hungry and went to the grocery store the other day. Emily knows I come home with entirely too many bags. And uh, I had Brussels sprouts in there. I was hungry when I went shopping. I come home with three whole chickens. Whole chickens. I come home with so much food. Oh, my goodness. I was doing freezer meals trying to put things up. And, and I'm sitting here scratching my head thinking, how in the world am I going to eat quinoa and butternut squash stew? It just it sounded good in the moment, but I hadn't eaten all day. I was starving when I went to, to, to the grocery store. So whenever you get that hungry, there is a desire there. The previous cases in Matthew chapter 5 
Call us to examine ourselves. Let's go back and start in verse 3. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Jesus is trying to get these people to look at themselves, examine themselves. Let us examine ourselves. Are we poor in spirit? Are we mournful? Are we meek? It allows us to examine ourselves and look for sin in our life. Because if we aren't these things, then that means there's something between us and God. There's something between us and where we need to be for Him. We see the sin in our life and we see our need for God. But in verse number 6, things change just a little bit. God don't ask them to examine themselves. This becomes more of a command. And then there's life people hunger after all sorts of things. I saw a cartoon the other day in the newspaper. I don't remember what newspaper. Well, I think it was in Covington. It was the Picayune. Anyway, it was a comic strip. And uh, and it was real interesting. It had a guy, and you could see that he was running. And he was young and had a full head of hair. And he was running. Had a briefcase full of money. He was running, chasing what looked like the wind blowing dollar bills. And then in the next strip, you could tell he was kind of bald in the middle. Time had passed. His suit was kind of wrinkled. He had a, a wad of money under this arm, and he was still chasing after them dollar bills blowing in the wind. And in the last strip, the man had hardly any hair. He had two armfuls of money. He was stopped, and there was a sign in front of him that said, The End. Because people go their whole life chasing that dollar, and they never remember that they have a life to live. And they get everything that they want, and they get to the end. That's it. We hunger after a lot of things. The Bible talks about several things that we are not to hunger after. We are not to seek after. The first thing is happiness. We are not to seek after happiness. That is not something that we're looking for. Happiness is a symptom. Happiness is a byproduct. If you look for happiness, if you go searching for happiness, you're not going to find happiness. You're going to find things that make you happy. You're going to find things that cause temporary happiness. If you find God, then you're going to find something that causes permanent happiness. But happiness itself is a symptom of something larger. So what is it that we, that we chase after? What is it that we hunger after? You're not hunger, hungering after blessings. Blessings are a byproduct. The Beatitudes say clearly, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. You have to be meek in order to be blessed. Blessings are a byproduct. That's not something that we're looking for. It's not something that we're searching for. We're not searching to be satisfied. Being satisfied is a byproduct. This morning I got up, I was really, really hungry. I ate a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Guess what, Brother Randy? I was satisfied. But I didn't go searching for that satisfaction. I went searching for a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Satisfaction was the byproduct of that. It was something that happened because of that. We are not searching for experiences. We are searching for a life lived for God that causes good experiences. We are not searching for happiness. We should be searching for righteousness that leads to happiness. We're not searching for blessings. We're, we should be thirsting after righteousness which leads to blessings. Jesus said, blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness. A byproduct of righteousness is happiness and satisfaction. Happiness and contentment. That is a byproduct of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. And he said, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst, for they shall 
be filled. This afternoon, I want to ask a very simple question. What do we hunger and thirst after? If we ate every time we read our Bible, how small would we be? I said how small because they wouldn't none of us in here be 600 pounds. How small would we be if we ate every time we read our Bible? And we didn't eat if we didn't read our Bible. How many meals would we miss? How many meals would we miss if the only time that we drank anything was whenever we prayed to God? And I'm not talking about God is great, God is good, let us thank Him for our food. I'm talking about sit down and pray to our God. What if that's the only time we drank? Would we be dehydrated? A nurse told me one time to see if you're dehydrated, you hold your hand out like this. You pick your skin up, and if it stays, that you mean you're severely dehydrated. Get to the hospital now. And I believe that if we drank only whenever we sat down and we prayed to God, that a lot of us could hold our hand out like that, pick that up, and it would stand there like an envelope till we moved our hand. So what is it that we're hungering and thirsting after? Matthew McConaughey said in one of his speeches where he won a, some kind of movie award, he said, somebody asked me one time who my hero was. I said, my hero is me 10 years from now. My hero is me, what I think of me 10 years from now. That is the person I'm chasing. That's the person I want to be. That is what he was hungering and thirsting after. And although he may never get there, that was his hero. His hero was him 10 years down the road. And he said, that is what I chase. That is what I seek. If we seek to be a better person, being a better person is a symptom of seeking righteousness. Fulfillment is a symptom of hungering and thirsting after righteousness. Happiness is a symptom of finding joy in God. It's just something that happens because of. We've all heard of cause and effect, right? The Titanic did not sink because it hit iceberg. Didn't happen. The Titanic sank because water got on the inside of it. Water's not supposed to be on the inside of a ship. Water will, a ship will never sink unless water gets on the inside of it. The water's fine on the outside of it. It don't hurt it at all. But whenever the water gets on the inside of the ship, then the ship begins to sink. God's people are the same way. As long as the world is on the outside and God is on the inside, our ship will not sink. But whenever we begin to hunger and thirst after the world, we begin to reach over the side of the ship and we bring a solo cup full of water inside our ship. And it won't take long and that ship starts sitting lower and lower in the water. And before long, that ship starts filling up because all we're ever doing is we're filling it up with things of the world rather than being content, rather than being satisfied, rather than being hungry and thirsty for righteousness. God's Word is one of the only things that we are supposed to be satisfied but not in a state of satisfaction. The woman at the well, Jesus said, if you'll take of this water, He said, you'll never thirst again. And yet Jesus said, hunger and thirst after righteousness. Does the Bible contradict itself? Does Jesus say you'll never thirst again and then you should always be hungry and thirsty? Hungering and thirsting after righteousness is hungering and thirsting for more. Does anybody know the, the slogan for Lay's potato chips? Anybody? Can't eat just one. Has anybody ever tried? It's hard to do. I tried just to prove myself I can do it. And I did. I just ate one. Come back the next day and ate the rest of the bag. You can eat just one, but it takes an awful lot. 
Lady says you can't have just one. That is the way God's Word should be to us. You can't have just one. Once you receive God's Word, Peter said his newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. We should be seeking, hungering and thirsting after righteousness every day of our life. We should be in a state We should be in a state of desire and a state of satisfaction all at the same time. We should be in a state of fulfillment and desiring growth all at the same time. It's like filling up on dessert and knowing that that last bite of bread pudding is probably going to hurt, but you really, 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 really want it. Well, that last bite of God's Word ain't never going to hurt. It's, it's never going to do us any harm. It's, it's, it's just not. J.N. Darby was a missionary back in the, way back. And he said, to hunger and thirst after righteousness isn't enough. A Christian must be starving. And I think if Jesus said to hunger and thirst is enough, then it's enough. I understand the point that the man made. The man said just to be hungry isn't enough. What is hunger? I used to have hunger pains when I was a kid, mainly because I was a big kid and I was always eating. It's amazing how, how, how my mama's grocery bill changed when all of us moved out. It's absolutely crazy. But as a kid, we ate all the time. So we ate breakfast every morning. Most of the time it was sausage, egg, grits, biscuits. Every now and then it was cereal. But I ate an egg sandwich pretty much every day of my life when I was in elementary and junior high, high school. Loved egg sandwiches. Without ketchup, because ketchup is a sin. But getting off of that, uh, I eat breakfast. You go to school, and most of the time we hit snack. Okay, I always had a Reese's cup, something sweet, something salty for a snack. Never chips, because they didn't fill you up. But you always had a Reese's cup, a Snicker bar, something with peanuts in it, something with caramel, peanut butter, chocolate. And then you go to lunch, where you get them greasy pizzas. They're shaped like a boat, and they float in grease. Some of you who come through pound, you remember what they look like. Or you get the square pieces with the white Parmesan-looking cardboard cheese on top. And they had the little bitty bacon bit-looking sausages that were kind of crunchy and kind of chewy at the same time. So you'd eat you two or three of them pieces of pizza, or, or everybody's favorite was the 5,000-calorie taco snacks. Y'all remember they were 5,000 calories per snack. And so by the time you got finished with lunch, you had already eaten three meals. And then you go to practice. Well, before practice, they would give you some sort of fruit, some sort of granola bar, and then try to fill you up with milk before they send you out in the hot sunshine to go run and exercise. <laughs> Let that milk sour in you, baby. And then we'd get home, and we'd, we'd Mama, can I have a snack? We'd eat chips and salsa. Mama would have some corn dogs or mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, just something to hold us over until supper, which was two hours later. And then two hours later, Bob would have a big supper cooked, hamburger, steak, mashed potatoes and gravy, dressing, turkey, fried chicken, whatever it was. And then before bed, we'd always have to have a night snack because we wasn't satisfied. Always had to have a night snack. So we'd get some chips, some, some cookies and milk. Every now and then, Mama would let us have ice cream. We'd mix a little peanut butter with the ice cream and stir it up. That's the reason we all grew to be such big boys. Except Hunter, he's, he's adopted. But we ate a lot. We was always hungry. We were always doing. We were always going. What happens whenever you get sick and you're laid up all day? You, you want to eat a whole bunch? 
If I showed up with a pizza, Brother Randy, if you were laid up with the flu, hope you don't get it. If you're laid up with the flu and I show up with a pizza, you're going to eat it. I'm going to try, bro. <laughs> My wife hadn't eaten anything decent for a week and a half. My daddy went four days without eating anything other than Mountain Dew and King Cake. That's, that's all he felt like eating. Mama made chicken. He, he, I can't do chicken. Mama made hamburgers. I can't do hamburgers. I, I, I did tortilla soup for Emily. She ate a little bit of it. It was a little bit of times. It was heavy. When you don't do nothing, you don't feel like eating nothing, right? If you don't burn any calories, if you don't get up and go, if you don't walk around, if you don't wash clothes, mop or chop firewood or chase chickens or, or whatever it is you're doing, if you don't expel energy, you're not hungry. The same thing is true for Christianity. It is really, really hard to grow as a Christian if you sit on your butt and do nothing. You have to, you have to get up. You have to do. You have to expel energy. You also have to intake. We have to hunger. And we have to thirst. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. What is one thing that bread does for you? Bread has gluten in it. Gluten swells you up. What it does. It's not always good for you, but that's what bread does. Bread is cars. Bread to give you energy when nothing else will. That, that's what God's people live off of. That's what Daniel ate. Vegetables. Water. Kind of a vegetable porridge mixed with some kind of cereal grain and water. And he grew. Because it wasn't about what he was eating. It was about what he was hungering and thirsting after. His desire wasn't to get big and strong after what off of what he was eating. Y'all, the Bible says that he was eating. Uh, What's it called? P word. Pulse. Pulse and water. Y'all know what pulse is. Pulse is is like. Y'all know what lentils is. It's, it's vegetable soup basically, with a little bit of chunky, floury stuff in it. They didn't have half and half, but. but they didn't dump heavy cream in it. It was a watery vegetable soup and water. That's what they drank. That's what they ate. And yet they grew. Biologically speaking, that's not possible. If you eat nothing but vegetables, it is extremely hard to grow up and be a big, strong, plenty of energy type of person. It's really hard. Matter of fact, the Bible says you're not supposed to be a vegetarian, but we'll get to that later. But it, that's not what they were hungering and thirsting for. Daniel was not looking for, I want to be the biggest, the best, and the strongest. Daniel was looking for, I want to be the most righteous. I want to live for God. I want to do what He wants me to do. And growing physically, growing in wisdom was a byproduct of that. We understand that the lentils and the pulse and water did not make Daniel wise. We understand that the lentils and water did not make Daniel big and strong and fair-complected. It didn't do it. His hunger and thirst after righteousness did. Hunger is something that... Hunger will make you do crazy things. Won't it? You do crazy things when you hunger. There's a commercial used to come out. So what would you do for a... Klondike bar. What would you do for a Klondike bar? What would you do for a Klondike bar, Brother Randy? I, I wouldn't do much for a Klondike bar. But there was a, there was a commercial come on 
RFID TV whenever we was at FFA convention in October. And it said, uh, I ain't much on Klondike bars, but ain't no telling what I would do for a tractor. They were advertising Case International Harvester. And there's always something in our life that we would do crazy things for. There's a desire there. There's a burning. Whenever we get really, really hungry, whenever we really, really want something, it gets downright painful sometimes. Y'all ever been so hungry that you, that you hurt? Not lately because there's a Dollar General in pine now. Sometimes whenever that desire is there so hard, whenever, whenever we really, 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 really want it, it's that point that you're getting on your knees and screaming and begging with mom and daddy, please. Whenever we want it that bad, it physically hurts us. That is true hunger. And we'll do that for a Klondike bar. Or we'll do that for, mine is Reese Cooks. And we'll do that for mashed potatoes and hamburger steak and gravy. We'll do that for ribs. We'll do that for a new gun. We'll do that for a new truck. We'll do that for a tractor. We'll do that for, for kids, sporting events. And we'll do this for school. And we'll do it for everything. But do we do it for God? Do we hunger and thirst to the point that we cannot do without it for God? Heard a guy say one time, he said, if you want to know how much you value your Bible, think about it this way. If you pull out of your driveway and you're one mile from your house, you realize you left your phone. You're running right on time. And if you turn around and go get your phone, that means you're going to be two minutes late. The vast majority of people will turn around and go get their phone. He said, if you realize that you left your purse, the majority of people will turn around and go back and get their purse. But he said, if you realize that you left your Bible, the majority of people will not turn around and go back and get their Bible. He said, that tells you where our priorities are today. Even if you're going to church, people will not turn around and go get their Bible. They said, I'll just read off the screen, which is another problem. Or I'll use the Bible that's in the pew, which is another problem. I'll use the Bible on my phone. I use the Bible on my phone all the time. I do. It's, it's called the... That's it, version. It's the version Bible app. It's a great Bible app. Matter of fact, it'll remind you every morning, read your Bible. Gives you a verse every day. A couple of times a day if you'll let it. There's several apps. There's one app. It's called Daily Spurgeon. It's some of Charles Spurgeon's commentary. It sends me a verse of scripture and some of the stuff he said every morning. But it's not always the same as reading your Bible. It's not always the same as spending time with God. One thing that I try to do when I study, and, and I use my phone for, for reference all the time, when I find something I don't know anything about, I'll Google it. Because there's words in the Old Testament that throw me for a loop. Did y'all know there was a place called sin? Y'all knew? I know you did. I preached about it two weeks ago. I was hoping somebody may have caught it. There's a place in the Old Testament called sin. It, it's an actual city called sin. It, I just thought that was weird. So whenever I saw it, I said, I just don't know about this, so I Googled it. Sure enough, there it was. But I've gotten to the point that, that I, I try really hard to turn my phone over and lay it somewhere out of the way because before we don't know it, we're answering text messages instead of studying. And I used to study in the living room, but before I don't know it, I'm looking at the TV. I'm watching the football game. To hunger and thirst after righteousness is to put everything else aside and seek, desire that one thing. Whenever you're really hungry, don't that kind of stick on your mind? 
Ain't it something that you really can't shake? Whenever we get to fishing, we'll be so concentrated on fishing, we'll take a Mountain Dew and a pack of peanut butter and crackers. And we can go on that for about 14 hours. Because our mind is on fishing. But whenever we're done, whenever that rod goes in that rod box, whenever that crankbait goes back in the tackle box, the only thing that we have on our mind from then until we get something in our belly is eating. Because it is plumb painful. And you can't shake it. When you get hungry, whenever you get thirsty... You can't shake it. Some of you women has been pregnant. What happens whenever you crave something? Husband goes shopping. Because you just, you just got to have it. Don't know why. Don't know what. Only one feed store in St. Tammany Parish carries the kind of pickled okra, the hot kind that Emily liked with Bailey. But that's where I went. Because that was the desire. That is what she wanted. Let's hunger and thirst after righteousness that way. Let's hunger and thirst after... After God that way. Second Chronicles, let's go ahead and read that. Chapter number oh, 15. If I can find it. The Israelites here, well, not the Israelites, the tribe of Judah. They made a vow to God. He had delivered them. He turned them loose. Asa was in charge. Verse number 15, chapter 15, 2 Chronicles. says, All Judah rejoiced at the oath. For they had sworn, here we go, underline it, with all their heart and sought him with their whole desire. Do you think that is hungering and thirsting after righteousness? It said they swore with their whole heart. They sought him with their whole desire. And Jesus said, Blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. This verse says that he was found of them, and the Lord gave them rest. Round about. Ephesians chapter 2, and we're going to draw to a close. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Ephesians is so small. It's almost like Philippians. Philippians is one page in my Bible. I have such a hard time finding Philippians. Ephesians chapter number 2, verse 1. He said, And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespass and sin. He's talking to saved people, new converts. Wherein in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air. He said, Used to, you sought after everything else but God. He said, But now... The spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience is that spirit of this world. Among whom also we have had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and of the mind, which were by the children, by the nature, the children of wrath, even as others. But God who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us. Someone who took us from this place. Someone who pulled us out of walking according to the prince and power of the air. Someone who took us out of lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Verse number five, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ by grace your seed, and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. 
Jesus. Tonight, if that does not cause us to hunger and thirst after righteousness, if that does not cause us to draw, try to draw closer to God, if that does not cause us to try to have a greater zeal for those who are lost, then we need to examine our relationship with Him. I'm not saying that you should take a bite out of your Bible. I'm saying that we should try to read our Bible every time before we eat and see how much closer to God you get. And I'm not saying turn it open and say, okay, greet Mary who bestowed much labor on us. Let's eat. That don't count. It's like that guy he prayed one time. He said, good food, good meat, good Lord, let's eat. All right. This guy's in a hurry to eat. If we rush through our, our prayer time or we rush through our reading because we're excited to get to something else, that's not hungering and thirsting after righteousness. That's hungering and thirsting after something else. Jesus said to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Where does righteousness come from? Righteousness comes from God. The Word of God, the Holy Spirit that lives within us. Prayer, communion time with Him. I pray to God that we could all hunger and thirst after righteousness even more. Would anybody have a question, comment of any kind? Before we have verse for some.